So, I almost sang an old song this morning, but I figured like nobody in here would know it. Well, some of y'all would have. And I'm like, I can't do it yet. They ain't, they ain't ready for my old songs. They ain't ready for them. But there's this old song. Oh, somebody getting the spirit over there. Y'all hear that? That's the spirit getting them right there. Jesus, touch them, Lord. There's an old song called He Touched Me. It was written in, I don't know, like the early 60s. And says, he touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know. He touched me and made me whole. There is something unexplainable. There is something incomprehensible that happens when he touches you. And I know that it might be different to you that I'm not laying hands on people all the time and I'm not I'm, I'm there. You might think, hey, wait, what are you doing? No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it on purpose. Because I do not want you to be attached to me in order to have God move. I want you to know that driving down Airline Highway on a Tuesday, he can touch you. I want you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that regardless of who fills this pulpit, he can touch you. And even when the people who fill this pulpit drop the ball, he can still touch you. Amen? This morning, I want to I give you a little compliment, some encouragement this morning. That This morning is something that I have prayed for since... Um, whenever I, whenever the decision was made, I was taking the church, I think it was February. I have prayed that the Lord would allow me and lead me on how to get this church and Chalmette in similar places so that I could stop preaching two messages, two different sermons every Sunday in like two different directions. That was difficult to do. And I want to applaud you because your faithfulness and your diligence, but also your humility in allowing God to work in you through what you've been through, that this morning is the first time that you and Shalmet get the same sermon. Every time I've been here and preached, it's been two completely different sermons. I've studied two different sermons. I've prepared two different sermons. And this is the first time that I'm able to do the same one at both churches, not to make my job easier, but what it tells you is that you have moved out of a place of ICU, You've moved out of a place of extreme brokenness and extreme confusion and extreme hurt into a place where, all right, it's time, we're we doing some rehab now. We're we, we out the hospital and we're moving. Because this room is different than when I first got here in July. It's definitely different than when I, would, when I would come in March and April. And that's a testament to you, the leadership here, and your commitment to Jesus. And so this morning, I'm doing a series, two-week series, here and in Chalmette, called Who Are We? And this is going to be a very, I classify the sermon. What I try to do is I try to preach the five full offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I try to preach all five of those twice a year, different types of sermons and things like that. And, and this, this morning is a very vision-based sermon. This is an identity-based sermon for the church. 
for this ministry, the Metairie Tabernacle. This is an identity sermon. I want you to grab this because this is who we will be. This is who you will be. And regardless of what building we're in, regardless of if I'm pastoring or someone else is raised up and is pastoring, as long as I'm around, this is going to be the identity. This week and next week going to be the identity of these ministries. Growing up when I was a kid, not a kid I should say, but even throughout that whole time, if you talk to anybody who's been to the tabernacle or uh, guest preachers or the guys in NRP, if you ask them what is their thought of the tabernacle, they're going to tell you they're, the first thing most people talk about is the worship and the presence of God. And that is largely a testament due to this lovely lady over here in the front row. This is my mama here this morning. This is Pastor Darnell if you don't know her. Um, she'll be coming out here more and hanging out and just kind of helping Caitlin and I. Um, if you need ministry, if you need to talk to somebody, if you need counseling and I'm not here or i got to run out and she's here, she pretty much taught me what to know. So, I mean, go talk to her. It's like talking to me. Um, but that has a lot to do with her, and there's been a culture of worship established. And I can remember being at NRP conferences or things like that, and then they mentioned Shalmet. Like, oh, you got to go there because of the worship. you got to go there because of the presence of God. you got to go there because of that. When I, was, when I was a teenager in my early 20s, after Katrina, it was a rough season for me spiritually. And I used to, whenever I could, I would drive out to Baton Rouge. I'd go to Bethany. Because I could go and I could kind of get up in the building and I could kind of hide because nobody knew me and nobody could see me and it was a big building and I would just hide because there was an atmosphere of the presence of God there that I didn't need any I didn't need to know what was going on I didn't need to know what they were preaching about I went one time and it was a missions meeting about planting a church in some other country I didn't care I wanted to be in the room because Jesus was in the room and that church had that. That, that identity that we are a presence church. Well, I'm letting you know the tabernacle always has been and always will be a presence-driven ministry. But I've been praying since I took the church in Shelmet, now that Metairie, I'm over Metairie as well, I've been praying for what is the vision statement of these churches. Like if you had to summarize who we were in one or two sentences, what would it be? And I've been praying for a while, and he never gave it to me until I hit my head. And had I known that that's all I had to do to get a vision statement, I'd have done it two years ago. Like, look, that's what I got to do. I just hit the head, give me the vision statement, we'll make it easy. Nope, that's not what he wanted. He wanted me to wait and pray and fast and seek God and feel like he wasn't listening, and then conk, and then I got a vision statement. But we'll be, these are the two things. And you'll, we got the first statement is this week, the second statement is next week. Not that complicated. We're going to be a church of his presence and a church of his people. We're going to be a church of his presence and a church of his people. You might say, Pastor Chris, that's pretty simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would rather be excellent at something simple than kind of good at something complicated. You know how annoying it is when somebody's like, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going I'm to cook dinner. And it's going to be blackened. Mahi mahi with a Creole sauce on top. And you're like, man, that sounds amazing. And they show up and it's like, what is that? <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. But it's not what I thought it was going to be. But if you say, hey, I'm coming over and I'm grilling you cheeseburgers. And I eat the cheese, and it's a good cheeseburger, we winning. 
And I think what happens is there's a lot of people and a lot of churches that their vision is so grand and so big, which is awesome. I believe the kingdom is big and grand, but they never learn to do anything excellently. They do a lot of things good. And a lot of smaller churches find themselves overcompensating to keep up with the big one down the street. So they start doing these massive things when they really can't. Like the best thing I could, the best analogy I have is in, in music, there's this thing called chops. Chops in music is how easily you can do something. And so my chops on guitar are not as good as they used to be because things I used to be able to do on guitar easily, I can't do as easy anymore. Same thing on drums. I've been playing drums over 30 years, but my chops are not what they used to be because I don't play them anymore. And what happens is we take liberty to do things. I, I went to Band of Brothers this weekend. They asked me to bring my saxophone, so I brought the saxophone, and I was supposed to play a saxophone solo Saturday morning, which is fine. And I know that I have a certain amount of tricks in my bag that I can do, and that's it. And I'm saving my tricks for Saturday morning, and I'm going to do my couple little tricks, and it's going to be good, right? Well, the worship leader decides that he's going to look at me on Friday morning and say, hey, play a solo. So I start playing a solo. But the problem is, I only got so many tricks. So on Friday morning, I did all my little things. But guess what happened? Saturday morning came. And like the musician, like, well, I got to go. I got to ramp it up a little bit. I can't do the same thing, right? And I hope, I'm glad that most people don't know when a musician's being bad unless he's being real bad. You know what I'm saying? But I, as I, I'm playing the horn Saturday morning, and I am horribly, he knows, he's a musician. I'm playing the horn, and I'm like, Chris, stop. Like, fake an asthma attack right now to get yourself out of this because it's bad. It's like, like choke, cough, go out in the spirit, figure a way to end this as quick as possible because you, your mind can do things your hands can't. So rather than be a church that embarrasses itself, by trying to be bigger than it is, with more resources than it has, we're going to be a church of his presence and a church of his people. That's it. Because I think, personally, that people aren't interested in a magnitude of great things. They want something genuine. They want something genuine, and they want something real. And so, we're going to be a church of his presence. If you would, open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. Y'all might actually get me to cry this morning. It might happen with this chat, with this story. I don't do that almost ever. But it just might happen. I might say it's my allergies or something, but, you know, just kidding. Maybe. Anyway. This ministry, before I go any further, because I don't have to go to Shelmet for 11. i got to be in Shelmet for 6 p.m. So if you want to come hang out at 6, you can. So I can preach for a long time. Can I have five extra minutes? Raise your hand if I can have 5, 5 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. All right, boom, i got an extra hour. Boom. My girl said, oh, he's counting minutes. I'll take, take 10 of mine. All right. Um, this ministry is in a rebuilding phase, obviously, but I also believe it's in a foundational phase because what we're doing here is laying the foundation for what's coming next. 
right? Like, in Jesus' name, you won't be in this building when someone else becomes pastor. Why? Because you're almost at growth capacity here. The rule is once you hit 80% in a building, it's very hard to grow again. From that, you have to expand. And obviously, we really can't invite anybody with kids. Like, if you got children, you can't come, right? you got to stay home. If you don't have little kids, you can come. That's kind of where it's because there's so many. It's ain't got no room. I mean, I'm being kidding. Please invite people with children. I'm, I'm, I'm being kidding. I'm kidding. Cause look, I'm tired, okay? I'm tired. I flew home last night, got home last night. Don't make fun of me. Anyway, but you got me being goofy. It's a rebuilding phase, and so I think it's important that we get this stuff in early and lay out the foundation of it. And so Exodus 33, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, Moses is, is on the top of Mount Sinai here. They've left Egypt. They've worked their way down. Now, if you know the story, if you've ever seen the geography of the Exodus, has anybody ever seen that? Anybody have showed you the actual journey they took to get from Egypt to the Promised Land? Okay. So I, I should have put a picture up. You got Egypt, and you got the Sinai Peninsula. It looks like a, an arrow that points down, and then you got Israel's up here. The shortest distance between two points is a, state, a straight line. So when they leave Egypt, it makes the most sense for them to literally just walk across the northern part of the peninsula and then go up to Israel. That would have taken them, I believe, about 90 days. Six weeks, 90 days, somewhere in that time frame. It's a lot of people you're moving, so obviously things could happen. But the difference and the reason God didn't lead them that way is because the entire northern area of the peninsula had different tribes and nations and kingdoms, and Israel would have had to fight their way through the entire northern part of the peninsula. And when you've been slaves for 400 years, you're not exactly in the condition to go pick a fight. So God has to take them south. He has to take them down the side, the western side of the peninsula, and then bring them to the bottom, then bring them up around the other side. And that changes it, and that journey should be about 18 months because you're moving. Again, you're moving a couple million people. So at this part of the story, they have been out there for two months. They have made two months. They're now down, and they're at Mount Sinai. And if you know the story, Moses goes up Mount Sinai. The glory of the Lord descends upon the top of the mountain. He gets the Ten Commandments. The people think it's only been 40 days, but the people think that Moses is dead. So they take their jewelry. They melt it down. They make a golden calf, and they start worshiping a false god. Moses comes down the mountain, throws a temper tantrum, cracks the tablets. It's kind of bad. And then a bunch of people die, and then they go back up to the Moses goes back up to the mountain. And this is where we pick up. He's back at the top of the mountain again. And he's having this conversation with God. I need to get you to understand that Moses had this powerful encounter with God. Lee, 40 days in the presence of God, face to face with God. Nobody sees God face to face. Nobody. Moses did. And he comes down the mountain. And everything is chaotic. People are nuts. They worship in a golden cow. Because that's a good idea. And then they start, then Moses goes back up the mountain. I know what that's like as a pastor. Where I had this powerful moment with God, and I'm full of vision, I'm full of expectation, I'm full of faith. And then I get around people I'm leading, and I'm like, God, I'm coming back up the mountain. Forget them. I'm going to just hang out up here, me and you, and we're going to make it work. I've been there. With, with, especially youth pastoring. Like, Mm -mm. Anyway, 
So Moses goes back up the mountain, and this is what he says. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Because Moses is like, I can't do this by myself. I'm going to kill these people. I can't do it by myself. Who are you going to send with me? Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, the he there is God. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses says, and this is it right here. Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how will it then be, how, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people on the face of the earth. Moses Spends this time with God, goes back down with the word. He's got the Ten Commandments. He's ready to go put some things in order. And he comes back down the mountain, and, and all chaos happening. And he goes back up, and he realized something important. You can have a word from God. But if you don't have the presence of God to carry out that word, you ain't carrying out that word. And Moses says, Lord, don't you take us from here. Make I'd rather live in the wilderness with the presence than have the promised land without it. And Moses is saying, don't take us from here if your presence doesn't go with us. Don't do it. Please, don't take me anywhere that your presence isn't going to be. Moses valued the presence of God more than the promises of God. Do you? What if I told you you had to pick between God giving you a spouse or God giving you his presence? What would you pick? What if I had you, you had to pick between God giving you a better income to where you weren't living paycheck to paycheck and struggling or you get his presence? What would you pick? See, see all of a sudden that, that, that changes things. Because we start thinking, well, man, you know, if I, if I had this, man, I'd be, this. no, 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 no. You want to know why hell is so bad? It's not because of the fire. It's not because of the darkness. It's because there's no presence. That's why. And so Moses is literally saying, don't take me from here. Don't lead us anywhere, God, without your presence. A couple thousand years later. I have the same prayer as Moses, and I pray it all the time. God, if your presence doesn't come, I don't want to be there. When it comes to the church situation in Shelmet with the lawsuit and the new building, I pray all the time, God, if your presence isn't in a rebuilt church on 4030 Parish Road, I don't want it. I do not want to do something for God without him. And there are so many people who do things in the name of God, for God, and he's not in it. And guess what? God is not obligated to bless a season he isn't in. So what do we do? As a presence-driven church, as a church that says we're going to be a church of his presence, what does that mean? I'm going to give you four things this morning. 
And see, because of the cross, we have an advantage that Moses does not. Moses couldn't get in the presence anywhere, any place, any time. We can. I had to preach um, Friday morning at Band of Brothers, and I got pulled into a a meeting. Really, a, a, a friend of mine said, hey, can I borrow you at some point today? I kind of just need to kind of get some help on something. Needs another minister. I said, sure, we can sit down and talk. Well, that went longer than I thought it was. And I was nervous to teach because what I was teaching on, it's kind of new. The Lord's been developing in me. I wasn't really confident in it. And when I get out, I got about 15 minutes till it's my turn to speak. And so what I did was I found me a hallway, throw my AirPods on, and for about five minutes I just prayed in tongues. And you'd have thought I spent five hours in the presence of God because his presence went, just showed up. I can access it any place, any time, anywhere. And because of this, we can intentionally build a church that hosts his presence because we can have it any time we want. But there are things we have to do. And so this is what we're going to do as a ministry. I'm letting you know, like everything that we do needs to be filtered through being a church of his presence and being a church of his people. If something we're about to do doesn't host his presence, we're not going to do it. If something that we're about to do doesn't provide an atmosphere for him to set the captives free, we're not going to do it. And that doesn't mean everything has to be lights down, soft music on. He can set the captives free to crawfish boil. But we're going to set the atmosphere for it. So the first thing, and it's got all P's for you note-taking people who like alliteration, got all P's. The first thing we're going to prepare for the presence. We're going to prepare for the presence. Before I can really tell you and, and really explain it to you, I want to make sure we all know what the presence of God is. The presence of God is simply wherever he is and wherever he is, wherever he is, he is acknowledged and invited. That's why he can inhabit your vehicle. When you acknowledge and invite him, he shows. So that's the catch. But it's wherever he is, invited and acknowledged, his presence comes. And Psalm says, and Ephesians says that at, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Well, I want to let you know something. That Ephesians says that Christ ascended and was seated at the right hand of God the Father. And Ephesians says that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when it says I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, where am I sitting? At the right hand of God. And at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. The right hand of God is all that I need. When Jesus comes in the room, everything Jesus offers comes with him. Jesus doesn't show up in your time of crisis and forget something at the house. Jesus has everything on him at all times. So when he shows up, when he's in the room, anything can happen. That's why the song, you know, when, when, I, when you walk into the room, everything changes. When he walks in the room, not just depression leaves. Depression can leave. Addiction can be broken. Marriages can be restored and cancer healed in the same room because Jesus doesn't come in simply to do one thing for one type of person. He comes in and says, I'm going to meet all the needs at the same time because that's who I am. We're going to prepare for the presence. Now, a great example of what I mean by his presence and how things change is when the president of the United States goes somewhere. Now, have, you, have any of you ever been around or near where the president was going to be? Anybody? 
Okay. I've had a couple experiences in my life where I have been near where he was going to be. One just happened last year with Hurricane Ida. I was at Lifehouse Church in Reserve doing some work, and the president was coming to see the damage. And we were doing a food distribution, and we had an ice truck that had a bunch of ice bags in it that we were keeping a lot of the food cold with. We were giving people bags of ice. But the problem is, I don't know if you knew this, but it's hot in Louisiana. And we were worried that the ice was going to melt. And we were getting frustrated. Like, I don't understand. Like, what is there a bad wreck? Like, what's going on? Like, because the highway shut down. And in Laplace, Airline Highway is the highway. Like, it's, it's rolling the whole time, right? And we're like, what is going on? What is happening? And all of a sudden, we see about 15 car, police cars pass by. And Miss Mary Aguilard says, oh, that's the president. And we're like, oh, that's police cars. It's the president. Well, after about 15 police cars passed by, about 10 black SUVs drove by. And then you saw the ones like in the movies, the three of them with the flag on the front and the seal on the side. I'm like, oh, it is? It, it actually is the president. Okay. All right. Well, that's why nobody's coming to get their food and their ice because the whole highway shut down. And you felt a security presence. You felt an atmosphere in this area that you didn't feel an hour before. Why? Because the president was coming. A few minutes later, I'm leaving. I'm driving out, and I hit a red light. And all of a sudden, this extremely large military man, like big, 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 comes out, and he comes to my window and says, Sir, the president's about to leave this neighborhood. It doesn't matter if the light turns green. Don't move. Just hold the traffic. I'm telling you so I don't have to direct the traffic. Like, just don't drive. And he told the guy next to me, I said, okay, it's fine. Def- I'm going to do whatever you say. Like, you're enormous. <laughs> President comes to a handstand. Never done before. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> and sure enough, in a few minutes, I start seeing the same police cars coming and everything. And the, the procession, the parade of cars, it was 10 minutes of vehicles passed. I kept it on my phone, a video, because it was just ridiculous. But there was such a presence that came over the area because the president was going to be there. And there was a preparation that took place. The state troopers were involved. The local police were involved. The National Guard was involved. The Army was involved. The Air Force was Y'all, they had fighter jets buzzing over like we was in the middle of a war. And I'm like, there ain't nobody going to come in with a fighter jet and attack us right now. I'm like, that's what I'm thinking, but they got to consider that stuff. Helicopters everywhere. Like, it was unbelievable the amount of, of security that was in the area. There was so much preparation. They had every route mapped out. They had backup routes mapped out. They prepared because the president of the United States was coming. I was teaching at Chelmet High, a summer camp in 2007, and I was told that, hey, We have a visitor coming today with Senator Mary Landrieu. So it was like Mary Landrieu and somebody. She's bringing somebody. So she's bringing somebody, like, and the senator is the, oh, and the senator. I'm like, somebody pretty significant is going to be here. And they said, can you get the kids to sing a song? I was teaching music. I'm like, sure. I don't know if it's going to sound any good, but I'm going to get them to sing something. So anyway, so we're in there, and all of a sudden, uh, Another rather large individual in a suit comes in and says, hey, this is the situation. Senator Biden, who was running for president at the time, is coming in a minute. Please have the kids sit down. 
you stay by the piano. He's going to come up to you. He's going to shake your hand. You're going to introduce the kids. You're going to sing for the kids. He's going to say something nice. Somebody probably take a picture, and then he's going to leave. Like, sounds cool with me. Works. I don't have any edits. Let's just roll with it, right? Well, a few minutes later, sure enough, like 15 Secret Service agents come in. And I'm sitting there, and I'm to this day, I'm like, this is a room full of second, third, and fourth graders. Why do we need 15 Secret Service agents in the room? Like, even if they got to the guy, what are they going to do, right? And I'm small. I'm not going to take out two of you. Anyway, I just remember being absolutely blown away by what I thought was overkill, right? Well, the kids sing the little song, and he talks to him, and he shakes my hand, and he thanks for working with the kids, and then he turns to leave. And as he's leaving, an agent comes up to him and stops him. Now, we had already told the kids we put a movie on for the kids, and I was just going to sit down because I had another, like, an hour left for the, the class. And the agent pauses, and I see them stop and kind of walk over to the side. And they're just standing there, and... Senator Biden, well, President Biden, wasn't president yet, loosens his tie, takes his jacket off, and puts it on the side, and just kind of leans up against the wall with his arms folded. And I'm like, well, this is a little weird. And then he says, he waves me over to him. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, did you let the big guy know? <laughs> like, did you tell that guy that you want me to show up over there? Because I ain't trying to walk up and get smoked by this dude. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, and he said, no, come here. I got to talk to Biden for like 10 minutes. Just him and I, because a thunderstorm popped up out of nowhere, and they couldn't get to the car without him getting drenched, and they had to go speak in the city at, one, at like the convention center or something like that, some big event he was going to, and they didn't want him to get wet, and it was only going to take 10 or 15 minutes. So I got to hang out with Biden. I have never felt safer in my entire life, because in like a 15 to 20-foot radius around us, are these armed, bad-to-the-bone dudes, and I'm just next to Biden, so they ain't getting me either. <laughs> right? Like, they're they not getting me either. But there was so much preparation, and you could feel the preparation in the room because they knew who was coming. When people come here on a Sunday morning, they need to be able to feel the excellence and the preparation because they know someone's coming. And when we get together, Jesus is coming. And I want people to know that we take his presence seriously. We're not going to be flippant if the president shows up. Whether you voted for him or not, let me tell you something. You're around him, you're going to know that something going on. And you're going to respect it. Because if not, one of them big old dudes in the suit is going to come let you know what you got to do. But it's a, you can feel the atmosphere shift because of it. How do we prepare for the presence? Number one, we prepare ourselves. This is like points in points. We prepare ourselves. Living a lifestyle of holiness and obedience puts us in a place of preparation. Do not live like the world on Friday and Saturday night and think that you can walk up in the presence of God on Sunday and everything be cool. Don't do it. Because what's going to happen, every time you have an encounter with the presence, you're going to feel conviction. And that's why people say, every time I go to church, I feel bad. Well, yeah, because you are bad. And he's trying to lovingly tell you to stop being bad. But every time you get in his presence, which is only at church, you're getting convicted. How about don't live like a devil on Friday and Saturday and come to church having a normal weekend and watch. You won't feel guilty. Yeah. 
you won't feel bad. My mom's sister, I think it was my mom's sister and my grandmother, actually, when I was younger, used to say they hated coming to all our Christmas plays and our Easter plays and our musicals because they always felt bad when they left. And I remember my mom being like, yes. Because that meant the Holy Spirit was convicting them. But it's because people are not preparing themselves to be in the presence of God. They're just showing up flippantly like they're going to Uncle Bob's crawfish bowl. Right? Like, no, 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 no. You're going to be in the presence of Almighty God, perfect, sinless, holy, righteous, who spoke creation into existence. And because he spoke it, it's still expanding. That, that let there be from I don't know how many thousands of years ago, because I ain't even going to try and calculate all that mess. It's still expanding. His word is still performing. He's going to be here. I want to prepare myself. I want to get up. I want to be ready to receive. I want to be ready to be in his presence. I want to be intentional about it. We prepare the structure. We prepare the structure. Now, I want to tell you a secret. It's a principle that I live by, I lead by. The leadership team here has heard me say this a thousand times. It's called the form and fill principle. When you look through the Bible, you will always see that before God filled something, with his purpose, with his life, with his glory, with his presence, he always formed a container for it to be in first. God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, and then he breathed the breath of life into him. God had Noah build the ark, and then he filled it with animals. God had Solomon build the temple, and then he filled it with his glory. He always forms something first. So we prepare for the presence by preparing the structure. We prepare what's going to happen. We have our kids' ministry in excellence. We have our greeters in excellence. We have our sound system in excellence. We have our worship in excellence. Why? Because Jesus is coming. Not because we want to be perfect and impress people. I'm not trying to impress people. I'm just trying to provide an atmosphere that doesn't distract people from him when he gets here. Nothing is worse than when you attend a church service and they like have never, ever, once, ever, ever, ever invested in a sound system or sound training. And the, the guy on the microphone don't know how to hold it, so he's holding it down here. So the sound guy has to jack it through the roof, and every time he moves, it catches feedback, and the noise comes through. And I don't care what he's preaching on. You ain't going to remember nothing because he scared you every 30 seconds because he don't know how to use a microphone. I'm going to prepare the structure for him to fill. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing my responsibility, doing what I can. I can't set the captives free, but I can make sure that the AC's on so the captive isn't sweating so bad he can't pay attention. I can make sure that the parking lot isn't full of trash from the night before so that when the captive pulls up and he's a businessman who likes things a certain way, he doesn't see us and think they don't care about their ministry. I'm going to prepare the structure because I don't know what he's going to do, but simply because he's coming, I want to be ready for whatever it is. We're going to prepare ourselves, we're going to prepare the structure, and we're going to prepare the atmosphere. We need to come full of expectation and not just coming to hang out with God and hang out with people. No, I'm coming with expectation. Psalm says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Not I will enter his gates and then find thanksgiving. I'm going to let you know right now. I understand sometimes we have bad days. We go on through seasons. But please do not wait for the song to start 
for you to start, oh, God's going to move. No, Saturday night, you ought to be saying, I'm getting with Jesus tomorrow. He's going to be in the room tomorrow. One of the things that helps me do that the most, I pick my clothes, and I got my clothes out the night before. It puts me in Sunday, all right, I got my clothes out. I'm ready to roll. I'm getting up early, not this morning because I got home late, but normally I get up early and I'm praying and I'm going for it and I got my clothes out and I got the coffee in the coffee pot in the morning so I can just go boop and the coffee come out and I got the cup ready and I got everything ready to go. Why? Because Jesus is coming and I want to be ready. I want to be full of expectation. I want to be full of faith because Jesus is coming. If you don't believe Jesus is coming, you're not going to have expectation. So my question for you is, if you didn't wake up with expectation this morning, me, you probably didn't expect Jesus to come here, did you? But if we're going to be a church of his presence, we're going to prepare ourselves, we're going to prepare the structure, and we're going to prepare the atmosphere. Right? So that's preparing for the presence. The second thing is we're going to protect the presence. Oh, Jesus. One of the problems we have in church today is that we treat a lot of what we do with a lack of respect. Okay? Now, some of this is due to changes in culture, which I'm okay with. However, due to that change of culture, we've had some negative side effects. What I mean by that is when I was a kid, you could not get on the stage if you were not in a suit or a dress. Like, you're kidding if you think you're walking up there without one. And, like, when I was a kid, all the ladies looked like linebackers because the dresses all had shoulder pads. You know what I'm saying? Like them, y'all remember them big old shoulder pads? She's got it. She had look the perms and the shoulder pads. Boom. That, understand? Like that's what it is, right? Bop. Shoulder pads. Suits. I can remember the first time I was 11 years old. The drummer was out of town last minute, and I was already at church. The first time I got to go on the stage, Jamie, wearing jeans. Revival had fallen in Chalmette, Louisiana, because I was able to. Y'all, have you ever seen a drummer? You can't see what kind of pants they're wearing. You can't. And I got to go up in jeans because they couldn't see my pants. When I'm like, I, I'm 11, and I'm like, Yo, it's just pants. That's what I thought, right? So I'm thankful that I don't have to wear a suit every Sunday. But the problem is, is that you know this, right? When you, when, you, when you decked out, you act differently, right? Like we got, we, got, we got weddings we go to, right? You know what you're not doing in a suit or a tux? You're not doing a cartwheel. You're not playing a pickup game of basketball or randomly trying a wrestling finisher on a, a friend in a suit. Just not happening. That's not what you're going to do. But because we now come to church in more comfortable clothing, the the respect has gone down. When I was a kid, we had kids, not really Sunday morning, but on Sunday night and Wednesday night, if I had to pick one song to be the soundtrack of that era of my life, it is the Mission Impossible theme song. Dun, 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 dun. Why? Because me and a couple friends would sneak out of kids' church. And we would, like, try to go do our own thing. But we had to hide from the ushers. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. And JoJo remembers this. Joseph, I'll call him JoJo because it's been that long. But I don't know what happened, but ushers in the 90s were fierce individuals. 
Yes, they would like to see what Super Bowl Like, do not get caught by an usher. Don't do it. Y'all, I have watched an usher give a child that wasn't his a spanking. Because the daddy wasn't around and the kid was being ridiculous and the mama walked up to the usher and said, can you please spank him? And the usher said, with my hand and a belt. And she said, oh, with the belt. And I remember being like, they can do that. My dad's not here a lot, too, because he works. And he's bigger than my dad. This is a problem. I'm not asking. I'm not planning to give ushers spanking privileges. I just want to let you guys know that. <laughs> I might have to. But you, you want to know what we weren't allowed to do? We could not run in church. You want to know why? Because when you're six and you're running, you're only like 35 pounds, right? But you're also invisible because of the chairs. And what happens if brother so-and-so is walking with a cane to leave church and you come out at full speed, 35 pounds, and you run into brother so-and-so? Brother so-and-so going down, probably breaking two bones. We were not allowed to run in church. Don't get caught running in church. Don't let the usher find you. You, you like, you better, and I knew all the hot spots were because I was the pastor's kid. So, like, I was usually okay. But the friends, they was in trouble. They didn't know all the good spots. But I had to hide from them because I couldn't get caught doing things that were disrespectful to the house of God. Well, Pastor Chris, it's just a building. I know it's just a building. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever read the word stewardship in Scripture? Ever. No, we're going to protect the presence. I'm going to make sure that me and my family are not going to do anything that's distracting or disrespectful to who's coming. I'm going to do my best. And I understand kids are kids. But when I was a kid, there were many Wednesday night services. We didn't have kids' church. And I had to set myself on a front row. We never had an iPad. Never had any of that. I can remember I was a very proficient colorer. Because somebody had a coloring book, and we would share the colors. And four or five of us would sit on a row together, and we'd get on our knees, and the chair or the pew would be the desk, and we'd color. And we'd have, like, one parent on one end and one parent on the other. And Lord, help it if that was your parents and you was cutting up. Lord, help you. We're going to protect it. Why? I wrote this down before, and then I heard a quote at the conference, and I'm going to quote Pastor Rick Powell and all, but we will not be, I wrote this down before, we will not be blessed by something we regard as ordinary. Rick Paladin said this, that the moment we start regarding our pastors and leaders as equal, we stop being able to receive the full blessing from them. My job as a pastor is to make sure that I live a life worthy to be still followed. That's my job. Your job is to make sure that you don't pull me down to just being one of the boys. It's my job to make sure that you don't see me as one only. So there's a balance to it. But the moment that we pull something down or we disrespect something or we treat something as ordinary is when we lose the ability to receive from it. We also protect the presence by our lives and our actions and our choices. The same presence that brought me peace this morning in devotion will bring strong conviction during lunch if I fall into sin.
Third thing is we're going to pursue the presence. Psalm 84.10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tent of, of wickedness. We just about always get what we want. I'm going to let you know that. What I mean by that is, no, I mean, you want a yacht. Okay, that's a different story. But if you're sitting there right now, you're all about to get hungry, watch. If you're sitting there right now and you say, you know what I want? I want pizza for lunch. I want a big, nice, juicy, thick piece of pizza. I want a nice burger. I want a steak. Or I want shrimp. And you start thinking about that. You know what you're going to do? You're going to get in your car. And you're going to drive somewhere and get that thing that you want, most likely. You might be uber disciplined today and say, no, we ain't got it in the budget. I'm going to go eat me a turkey sandwich. But next time... You're going to go get what you want. David says, I would rather be. If you don't have the presence of God active in your life, it's because you don't want it. Because he is ready and willing to invade anything and everything we're doing. So if he's not, it's because we don't want it. David says, I would rather be. I don't, need you to, I don't need to ask you to tell me your priorities. I can just watch your life and see them by what you pursue. And if you've stayed in the same place for the last year spiritually, I can tell you're not pursuing the presence of God. I can tell. And that's fine. Like you do you, I guess. I'm going to try and lead you the best I can and let you know that he's worth pursuing. And more of him is better than more of you because you're getting more of somebody. As a church, we will, be a, we will value the presence of God and be a church that pursues it, welcomes it, hosts it, honors it, and maximizes it. One moment in his presence is worth a hundred sermons from me. I was having a conversation with one of our intercessors in Shelman. We went to youth together when I was a kid. She's a couple years older than me. And we were talking about how for a while, right after we lost the roof, we were still learning the systems and, like, trying to learn to do church on the road. And so we were not creating as much space for the presence of God, not intentionally, but it was just very difficult to do because we were still learning how to operate. And she told me, she said, hey, I feel like we're not leaving room for him to move. And I, I, I was telling her what was going on. I said, I understand that. I'm just letting you know, like, don't make this a habit because we don't want to get to a spot to where we're just – going through the motions and not letting him move in our services. She said, because what changed my life was not a sermon, was not an altar call, was nothing but being in the presence of God during a service where no one touched me, and he just apprehended me and changed me. We're going to be at church, and this morning we did it. This morning we didn't sing songs we were planned. Two of them songs we weren't supposed to sing. And I'm sitting on a piano, and I'm like, this is fantastic because the presence of God is here. And people are going to come in, and they're going to be uncomfortable, and they're going to be, what is going on? And why is that person on their knees? And why is that person who can't sing singing so loud? And, like, all the different, I'm distracted. I ain't calling nobody out. I'm just saying, like, it happens, right? You can, y'all sound really good as a congregation. I want to let y'all know. But, like, like, I don't want to sound like, what, it's weird, and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. You're standing in the presence of a holy God, and you're unholy. Yes, it's uncomfortable. But notice how you're not dying. Because we should. No, we're going to celebrate it. We're going to honor it. We're going to maximize it. I prepare a sermon, but I will easily and very quickly throw that thing out the window if the Holy Spirit says, I'd rather do this, without a doubt. Because 
we're going to pursue the presence. And lastly, we're going to progress with the presence. Moses said, if you don't go with us, don't bring us up from here. Let me tell you something, this church is going somewhere. It's going to have a new address at some point. It'll have a different pastor at some point. But guess what? I'm going to follow it because Jesus is leading it. I'm a, in your life, things are going to change. God is going to take you from glory to glory to glory. I'm believing that for 2023 that the Lord is going to give me a divine strategy to begin to pull and extract calling and gifting out of people that is just sitting there unformed right now to where you know, wow, I now know what I'm called to do. I know who I'm called to be. I know what I'm supposed to be pursuing. I know what my role is in the local church. I know what I'm supposed to, and that's what I'm praying about, how to actually do that in a practical manner, not just say it and preach it and get a bunch amens but something that actually learning how to do and developing people but you will never be developed if you can't progress with the presence and this is what i mean by that sometimes we think progressing with the presence is this long or i'm gonna go to church and i'm gonna just worship longer i'm gonna just do this longer i'm gonna, yes that's part of it i'm gonna tell you the real progress with the presence is when he comes to you and say hey see this i want you to stop doing this for a while you, you, your, your routine is every evening you eat dinner, you tuck your kids in bed, and you watch Netflix for an hour. Delete Netflix. But God, I'm not even watching nothing bad. I don't care. Delete Netflix. Because I want to I show you something. But I can't teach you something if you're watching that. I want to show, I, I need time from you, and this is free time. Can you give me your free time? Progress with me. Growing up, I played video games. I, I did all that kind of stuff. But I reached a point where I realized that I was not going to be able to go further into my calling and purpose if I was still acting like the season I was in. I'm going to progress with the presence. I'm going to go where he leads. I'm going to do what he says. We're going to prepare for the presence. We're going to protect the presence. We're going to pursue the presence. And we're going to progress with it. Why? Because we're a church of his presence. And I'm believing that this ministry is a place that when people pull in the parking lot, they notice something different. When they drive by on Friday night, when they pull in the parking lot to go to the bar, they realize, hold up, something different. I want people to pull in, park in front of this building to go to the bar and get convicted in their seat. And get healed in their seat. And we don't even have to be here. And they, they just stay there. Friday night, all day Saturday, they show up Sunday morning. They smell and they're nasty. I don't care. Why? Because the presence of God is what changes them. Bow your heads with me this morning. I went a little longer today. That's all right. I just want you to close your eyes. Lift your hands. And just invite the presence of God in. <laughs>